today? Great to see each and every one of you. My name is Kent. I'm the senior pastor, and I'm so glad that you're with us today. If you're a guest, we hope that you've been made to feel welcome. We're going to continue our sermon today about exponential and missional growth. Now, let me ask you a question. If you see somebody standing like this and waving something like this at the white flag, what does that mean? Surrender. Yeah, that's good. I prayed all week that somebody would say surrender. I think somebody did. I need this anyway. It's hot in here anyway. Um, We're going to finish up this series today. We're talking about how to reach our community and the people around us. And so I want to talk to you today about surrender. We're talking about personal surrender. When we see a white flag, that is a symbol of surrender. And it is, you know, that's recognized all over the world. And it's actually in some of the uh, military uh, agreements that they have. If you see a white flag, you're not allowed to, you know, enforce or whatever. You have to talk to be to surrender. And so today I want to talk to you about that. I want to talk to you about surrender. And there's a guy in the Bible, and you guys know I love him. His name is Jesus. He is the perfect example. And so I want to read today. I want to read from the Gospel of Luke, and we're going to read in the fifth chapter. I want you, if you have your Bibles, to turn with me to Luke 5. And we're going to read a passage of Scripture here. We're going to read 11 verses. It's going to show it up on the screen for you. Okay, here we go. Here's what it says. This is Luke chapter 5. This is the first part of the text that I'd like you to see. One day as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in there to listen to Thaddeus and the word of God. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push it out to the water. So he sat in the boat and taught the crowd from there. Now get this picture. You got this guy, he's got a boat. He's out there, he's been out all night. Here comes this rabbi, Thaddeus. And he says, hey, I want to borrow your boat. It's so crowded here, let's push it out. Jesus pushes it out. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, now go out where it is deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. Master, Simon replied, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. And this time their nets were so full of fish, (laughs) isn't that good? They began to think that their nets were going to tear, right? Look at that. A shout for help brought their partners in the other boats, and soon as boats were filled, the fish on the verge of sinking, the other boats as well. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus, and he said, O Lord, too greedy and too much for a single fish. For he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught, as were the other fishermen. His partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also there. Jesus replied to Simon, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. And as they, soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for the celebration we have in baptism. Thank you, Lord, for your blessings. Thank you, God, for what you're doing in this place. I pray, God, today you give me the gift of silence, not for my glory, but for your glory. And I pray that everything we do and say will bring glory to you and give you glory. I thank you for your many Jesus friends who are here among us. And it's a surrender to you, a happy ministry, God, a happy family. We pray it in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. To have exponential impact, we're called to surrender our lives to Jesus. I want to talk to you today about surrender. You know, it's, it's hard to do. Anybody here control freak? Anybody here likes control? I'll leave the word freak out. Okay. Nobody? Wow, I'm the only one? Yeah, man, I love to control things, you know? And so it goes against our grain of human nature trying to, so, now don't be elbowing each other. I see all that going, calm down. 
Yeah, it's hard not to, to try to control things because that's who we are here. That's how we're made. That's our character. And we have choice. And that's what happened with Adam in the garden. But the, the word surrender means to cease resistance and submit to authority. One of my favorite pastors, Rick Warren, says, you cannot, find full, or you cannot fulfill God's purpose for this life while focusing on your own plans. And then A.W. Tozer, another theologian, said, the reason why many are still troubled, listen to this, still seeking, still making little forward progress is because they haven't yet come to the end of themselves. Hmm. We're still trying to give orders and interfering with God's work within us. And in our text today, what we're looking at is we're looking at the time in Peter. He'd get to this place where he had to surrender. Jesus is teaching, and a great crowd was following him at this time. And these people are following him, and he comes up, and there's these boats. You know, I always thought the fishermen were just poor old boat punk, you know, fishing. And No, in this time frame, if you had a boat, that meant that you probably had a little bit of assets. And he comes up, and he sees Simon Peter there, and he says, hey, I want to borrow this. And, and he steps out, and he tells him to go out into the water. Interesting. Jesus is, is talking to Peter. He's approaching him, and, he, and he's, he's making a contact with him. And I remember hearing this story as a kid in church, and I remember when, when I heard the story, he said he called him, and he says he dropped his nets, and he followed him. And when God was leading in my life, and, and there were times even in now when I think about the story, I was, until I realized this, I'm kidding, I thought, you know, what kind of faith did it take to drop the nets? But here's the thing. If you do a little background study on this, you'll find out that this wasn't actually the first encounter with Jesus that Peter had had. Peter's mother-in-law had been healed, and so he had actually seen some miracles performed. Peter had encountered him before, and so when he's coming to him again, this is another time that he's going with him, and he steps out by faith. You know, that's a good thing for me because I'm looking at myself thinking, there's been times when I've kind of failed, but that shows me that we can get up. Somebody say amen. Simon is a somebody because Jesus follows. Peter's a somebody, and I tell you something, Jesus called you today, and you are somebody. He loves you. Jesus' call to discipleship was not based upon qualifications, but it was upon the authority of Jesus. And he says, come unto me, all you that labor and heavy laden, and I might give you rest. No, he comes to submit to his authority. His authority that Jesus had been given to be his disciple. Peter knew this story. You know, he'd, he'd heard the story. He'd seen the miracles. And Jesus comes to him and tells him to launch out into the deep. Now, you know, sometimes the Lord does that to us, doesn't he? He wants us to launch out into the deep. He pushes on us a little bit. And I can imagine Peter sitting there. He's fishing. He knows what he's doing. Here's a guy who walks up to him and says, you know, he's probably like, come, here comes this preacher with Jesus. Okay, he doesn't say that to him. But he followed him because Peter had been fishing all night. He already had done this. And, and so he knew what was going on when he tells him to throw the nets down. They have nets for day and nets for night. He'd already washed the nets. And he's probably thinking, you know, we've done this all night. I'm just asking him. I don't know if they say that. But I'm just thinking. It took faith to do that. And he did it, and you know what happened? Let me tell you something. Sometimes God pushes on us to tell us to push on, to get out in the deep. And we think, well, you know, it's my job to push on. It's okay. But in that, Jesus called him to follow. And he fished, and, and God gave him a blessing. Second thing about this passage of Scripture is Simon knew what it was like to be treated as an equal. We live in a world broken. We live in a world where people are hurting. That's why I wanted to do this sermon series about reaching people. I believe the message of the gospel is the hope of the world. And I'm giving proof. And it's important that we all share this. And so there are people in the world that feel like they're nobodies. Uh, look at verse 8. It says, when Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, Oh, Lord, please lead me. I'm too much of a sinner to be able to do this. 
tell you this. I, I believe the darker the light, the darker the room, the brighter the light. Jesus can give you that. I remember one time back about 30 years ago, there was a man that I knew, and he said, he said, you know, if I come to church with you, those walls, that ceiling will fall down. I said, I get it. Trust me. You know what he did? He came to church with me. You know what fell down? He did on his knees in the altar. When he gave his life to Jesus, we had a youth group. It was a little church. We just started, and we was running about three. He gave his life to Jesus. He had 12 kids. Our Sunday school class doubled right there that day. Hallelujah. He accepted Christ, and he was saved. Now he's in heaven. He affected that family, and even to this day, those children are a blessing to him. Jesus is calling all of us to follow him. Jesus, after he calls him, he says, I'm going to send some more. You know, it's an interesting thing about the, um, the word sinful here. Is a, is a word, it's called hanakia, and it means like a, an archer shooting a bow at a target. And, and the word sinful here means hanakia, which means missing the mark. And I know that we would like to do those things without being foolish. It's one thing to miss the, the, uh, the bullseye, right? This implies that you miss the whole target, which would be probably what I would do. This is not so, he says, this is like, you know, missing the mark. I'm a sinful person. I've missed the mark. And he understood, perhaps Peter did, what it was like not to be uh, popular and not to be uh, picked and chosen. Because as a Jewish boy growing up, they had to learn the, the first five books of the Bible. And those who excelled were, were brought into training, and they, and they became rabbis, those that weren't in, into other vocations. He was a sinful Common people is what he chose to work through. When I was a little kid, I would go into these big churches. You know, the Catholic churches had stained glass windows, and I loved them because they were amazing places. But I remember the women coming in. That guy must be a real sinner. You know what I mean? But as you read about these people, they're just like us. You know what the difference is? Peter surrendered his life to Jesus, and he went from a nobody to somebody. And God used him. Tell you something, he'll use you today, he'll use me. We have to be willing to surrender. We have to surrender to the Lord. Peter knew that he was wrong. Peter, I mean, he recognized he was a sinful man, but he knew that God could help him. And I'll tell you something, sin, uh, surrender is hard. You know, some people say, Well, I'm gonna wait till I get older, it'll be easier. <laughs> I'm getting I'm getting along with you as you get older, right, hon? Yeah, amen. Surrender is hard for everybody. We all find difficulty in surrender. Talk about being, you know, spiritually leading people. We have to surrender and give it to the Lord. There's a story about a king. A king had a daughter. There was another king that was attracted to this daughter. This king was a Christian. His family was a Christian family. This king wasn't. He wanted to marry this daughter. This king said, "You want to marry my daughter? You got to be a Christian." The problem was this king was a mercenary. He he fought. He had swords, and he was, you know, and so if you did it in this time frame, if you committed it like. So what he did was he thought, how can I do this? And this is how he surrendered. You know what he did? He, he, did the, he did the process. And when they went to baptize him, him and his 500 men, when they go to dunk them in the water like we just did, they take their swords and they hold them out of the water, and everything is baptized except their right arm. Just amazing. I'll surrender everything except my right arm. Just think about that. What do we think about that? When I was a kid, I remember singing, all to Jesus him I freely yield. I will ever love and trust him in his presence daily and 
And then I love this part. Come on. I surrender all. I surrender all to you, my blessed Savior. I surrender Man, I love that little singing song in my little church. And as I got older, I'd sing that song in my head, and here's how my version went. I surrender some. I surrender some. Ten years ago when, when, when Charlotte over there working at the church and I was the worship pastor, I remember coming in on a Tuesday night and they said, well, I need you to go unlock the doors and let them in. And so I learned to do that a lot of years ago back at Charlotte. And, and, and I came in and it was wonderful to see so many people. Wonderful. And we are all set up and, and I took my guitar out and just sort of put it down there. And I said, I want everybody to sit in this pew. And I said, please stand for just a minute. to surrender my heart and my agenda and when you began to sing Tony I just felt like permission to share with you I, you can't take somebody when you have permission and that's what happened yeah so we wanted to be in the right frame of mind and God blessed that and he blessed that and it was a wonderful thing we started Bible studies and Danny's still doing Bible studies man it's awesome but surrendering to God sometimes is hard Surrendering is a one-time thing, but you know what? It's also an ongoing thing. And I'm not talking about salvation. I'm talking about that there are things that come into our lives as we walk this path, as we walk this pattern of life, as we're, as we're following Jesus. You know, there's things that come up that we have to surrender, give that one to the Lord. You know? I don't want to do that sometimes. I want to take it back. You know what I mean? I, w- I want to control this. Surrendering is a one-time thing, but, but it, it's an ongoing thing that we have to work with. Uh, you know, you can't pick and choose. It's kind of like the guy that was in the wedding. He was sitting up there standing in front of the preacher, and the preacher said, well, you take this woman for better or worse, or richer or poorer, or sickness or in health. And the, the guy thought it was multiple choice. He said, I'll take her better, richer, and health. It's not, a, it's not a pick and choose. When we surrender, we give it to the Lord. That's everything. That's our gifts, our graces, the things that we are blessed to use. I mean, we use them for the glory of God. It's the same way it can involve our commitment surrender to him we share that thing now think about this here's a guy that's fishing he has a little background he's all about uh, wisdom but he he has an encounter with jesus and jesus says i'm going to make you fishers of men (laughs) man wow can you imagine the the following that that he's like and he began to go out and you know what he did this man was just now we talk in church about what do i say to people that you know share people are hurting, people are going through the same thing that you're going through. We did a service two weeks ago on a Sunday evening, those of you that were here, and the outpour of that was amazing. We had two of our younger people that got up here and just shared everything about their life that God had done. And you know what happened? (laughs) People's lives were changed. People were affected by that and touched by that and thought, man, your transparency, you talk, you know, you're living right where I'm living and, and I got family that's living right where you're talking about and, and, and I'm not the only one going through this and sharing their story. And we all have a story and it's, and it's what God's called us to do and it's awesome to be a part of that. 
each of 12 common people. I said, well, hey, check out who started the movement. There was a kid, and then there was 12, then there was 120, and then one day there was a mega church started right on the spot, 3,000. And next thing you know, it's moving in by the, by the fifth century. There's millions. Everything was growing, and what were they doing? changes our life. Peter got this. You know, and, and it's so hard sometimes because we want to take some quick. You know, I know some people are like that. They're the preachers. The pastors. There's things I want to control even beyond that. <laughs> and I was at a conference a couple a couple of weeks back. I had a word that just had me shaking my head. It was a word that absolutely changed my life. The guy that was speaking that day was an author about trying to control things and how to deal with things. And, and this, this guy was talking, he said, I was on a book deadline. He was an author and, uh, and he was writing a book and he had a deadline. And he said, I had this and I had this conference and I had this and I booked and I was preaching and I was doing this. And he said, I was driving down the road and he said, I got a pain in my left shoulder. You know what that is, right? He thought he did too. He pulled over, got on the phone, he called his wife and he said, honey, I think this is it. And you know, he was panicking. She said, I'm so sorry. conversation about all the things that he had going on. He was telling her this. She said, oh, just listen to me. Listen to me. She gave him the book. Yeah. I want to tell you something. I have pain in my shoulder. You are not in charge of the message. We're in charge of the message. We're in charge of planting and watering and sowing. It's God who gives the increase. Not me. Those things that are going on in our lives that we're dealing with, sometimes we absolutely surrender them to the Lord and Say, God, this is too big for me. You can handle it. And let me tell you something. There's no brick and mortar that can handle it. Oh, it's just too big for me. Who cares about that? Who cares about the things that, that are going on in your life? And so we're surrendering it to him as, as things that we do from time to time, surrendering things over to him. And I, I, I'm working on this. I'm not telling you I got this all the time because we commit our lives to Jesus. We repent of our sins and walk with him. He comes and he's like, oh, what made you? saved not because of the righteousness that you did but because he loved you that's it that's what makes a difference he washed away our sins and in giving us a new birth and a new life in him we're being made new we're a work in progress we're growing in the knowledge of the new life let me tell you something. I'm not who I was last year at this time, but I'm not, I'm still, I'm still working on it. I'm still going that way, and God's working on me. He's doing a work in me. Amen. People look at me sometimes and think, I really don't have that much faith. This guy asked me one day, he said, Do you really believe all that stuff in the Bible? You believe it? He was an atheist. He very good. He was. He said, Do you really believe everything that's in that book? I said, I don't. I said, let me tell you something. I'd rather believe it and be wrong and not believe it and wind up, you know. I mean, being a Christian is, is really a great life, if you think about it. It's a blessing to walk with the Lord. He blessed us, and he walks with us. There is a cost of discipleship, and I think it's important sometimes that, that we realize that grace is not cheap and that it's, it's cheap. 
the last thing when we talk about surrender in our lives is the cost of unsurrender. Some of the last words that Jesus spoke was go, go, go. We reference it as the Great Commission. A few years ago, a man named Dallas Ward Willard wrote a book called The Great Omission. He was talking about the commission of the church and how we don't reach out. And this is what he says about the cost of non-discipleship. He says this, the cost of non-discipleship is far greater, even when this life alone is considered, than the price paid to walk with Jesus. Non-discipleship costs abiding Jesus. A life penetrated throughout by joy. Faith that sees everything in light of God's overriding love and forgiveness. Hope that stands firm in the most discouraging of circumstances. Power to do what is right when you stand before God's judgment. In short, non-discipleship costs the exact same price you pay to have Jesus come into your life. In John 10, 10, Jesus says, I came that you have life and might have it more abundantly. In the Living Translation, says, my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. That's what he gives us in the Living Translation. Jesus claims man can have an abundant life through him. In Greek, this is referencing superabundance. To be a disciple of Christ, you must be rich in Christ. You must have Christ in your life. I have an abundant life. I'm abundantly rich. A man came in my office this week. He was one of my kids. He said, Dad, we need to talk about something. I said, sure. Look at the people in your life. Look at the people around you. Look at the church family you're in. You have a roof over your head. Look at, I had air conditioning this morning. What a blessing. You're wealthy as child of heaven, you're rich in Christ. Jesus Christ says, on that, we are blessed because we have hope in this life, but we have hope in the next life. Stand alone, because you're not alone. Last Tuesday, I would have been involved in three funerals. Thank God this isn't all there is. Yes, I believe this. And I believe it when he said, I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go, I'm coming to get you. I like that word, prepare. You know what that means? That means he didn't prepare for death by accident. The Bible says, I have not seen, ear has not heard, neither has entered into the heart of man the things of God. Look in Jesus' places where Adam Bob Scott called out to him. Think about that when you think about Jesus and what he did for us. Look at the people that came out ahead of him. See all those people that came out ahead of him? When we surrender to him, we surrender to the overriding love. Our purposes in him in our lives are satisfied. And we become rich. To be a disciple of Christ and to know who he is, we really need to have a direct relationship with him. That's what it's all about. Then we're called to surrender. See, when the Holy Spirit speaks to us and points out an an unsurrendered part of our lives, we should listen and bring him all that we have to do what he asks. Simon Peter got this as he went on to become one of the great leaders of the church. Was it easy? Simon was a somebody that Jesus called and promoted rapidly. He knew what it was like to be treated as a nobody. Surrender for him was hard. Surrender for him was one time and it wasn't going to and there is a cost to non-discipleship. There is a cost. Far greater than this life that we consider had a guy come and said, I'm doing just fine in life. I said, well, I'm glad on you. That's what you said. I'm glad that's the way you're living. I said, well, thank you. He was miserable. He said, yeah, I have finally 
broke it all down and came down to a man.